Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions. 303-690-3000 is the number to dial, 303-690-3000. That's how you get on the air, and a great time uh, to a great time to uh, call is in the beginning of the show uh, because this is when the lines are open uh, and then they kind of fill up over time. So give us a call, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. You can also text us. 720-336-0897. And you can text us, text us uh, directly here at the show. And if there is a break between the phone calls, then we will um, take your text questions. So either way, join me on the air. You're listening to a live broadcast uh, originating from the studios here at Grace FM Colorado, and unless you heard before the program that this is an encore presentation, it's live. So call me and let's talk live. Uh, let's discuss what's on your heart and what's on your mind. Uh, I always like to hear maybe something that your pastor's teaching. What are you guys learning at your church? Uh, what did you learn last week, or if you have a midweek service last night? Uh, We have a midweek service here at Calvary, and we are uh, studying verse by verse through the book of Daniel. Uh, I'm actually doing something new uh, with the book of Daniel, and uh, on a Wednesday, on top of that, is I'm teaching through the book in the NLT. I'm uh, stepping out in a new a uh, step for me after 20 years, I, I still value use the New King James. I use original language tools when I'm studying. None of that has changed, but what has changed is a fresh presentation with uh, the NLT, and it's been a fascinating step of faith for me. Maybe you've taken a step of faith recently. I'd love to hear it, uh, and don't think it's insignificant. You know, like, well, it's not that big a deal uh, compared to you or compared to this, but rather... Uh, it is a big deal because it was a step that you took. Uh, so I'd love to hear that. Or if you have a question or a call, give me a call, 303-690-3000. All right, the lines are filling up. So let's uh, pick up line one is calling from Pennsylvania. Joel, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks uh, for letting me uh, listen in here. We're always a uh couple hours behind and a week behind as well but uh appreciate the time to get on the air hey i got a question yeah, right uh, i've been reading through um 
reading through some of the New Testament, trying to familiarize myself more uh, when it comes to you know giving uh, you know giving a chance to give the faith and everything about Jesus. And Jesus mentions particularly, and I can't quote the exact reference because I can't remember it all. But Jesus mentions that he's the, the shepherd, and I understand that. And but he also mentions in there that he knows that he has sheep in another pen. Now, I don't know yes. what that means, but someone, okay. you know, someone was inquiring about that, and I don't know if that's referring to Gentiles, if that's referring to something totally different. I, I, it's just very, I'm just not quite sure what that means to be able to answer that type of question. Okay, I think what you're referring to is in John's Gospel, chapter 10, uh, where Jesus is teaching us about the difference between a hireling and a shepherd. And around verse 14, he says, I'm the good shepherd. And I know my sheep, and I'm known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them I also must bring. Then they will hear my voice, and they will be one flock and one shepherd. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, verse 16. Uh, Yeah, that's the verse. So what I believe Jesus is teaching us here is that he is... uh, He is speaking of the gospel going not only to the Jew, but also to the Gentile. The other fold are the Gentiles. Remember, Jesus came and his ministry was primarily to the Jewish people. Um, He is a Jewish Messiah coming to fulfill the uh, Jewish law and die for the salvation first to the Jew, but then also the Gentiles. So I think he's giving insight that the, the, the flock of Jews and Gentiles, believers in him, will be one. Okay, that, that definitely uh, fits well with some of the other readings I've had, especially when um, I've been reading about how Jesus is giving the, um, the opportunity for the uh, Gentile to accept the word because the Jews have rejected him. And that yes. does seem to fit very well with what you've just said. So I appreciate that very much, and I'll definitely be keeping that in mind when uh, someone else brings up something like that to me the next time. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a difficult it's it's actually a, a a difficult thing for the hearers at the time because they didn't have a high view of non-Jews. Uh and this was another reason why um another reason why the the Jewish religious establishment became so outraged to think that um God would have a heart for the Gentile and and that they would actually become one flock. And um it's it's a it's a beautiful really it's a beautiful truth from Jesus that no one's outside his reach. Because if I wasn't born in a specific timeline or if I wasn't born as a Jew, I might not have had any opportunity to hear the word. So I am very grateful that we're allowed in the flock. <laughs> yeah, me too. All right, thank you. Bye bye. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. We're gonna come right back here. And by the way, before I go to the next call. Here in Aurora, I want to give a shout out to everyone that's listening on Hope FM, uh, that's listening on Truth FM. And uh, as our friend Joel said, you guys are hearing us on a one-week delay, but you can call the show during the show, and you will be on the air live online through gracefm.com. You'll be uh, on the air live through the Grace FM app. You'll be on the air up and down the front range. Grace FM has a reach over multi-millions of people uh, throughout Colorado. And and so you'll be live. But then you have the... Now, Joel in Pennsylvania, when he tunes in, tunes in next week, he'll hear this call. 
while the show. And that's, we just don't have the resources to provide uh, both human and uh, technology to provide live streams uh, of the show. Uh, and it's not that it's impossible to do, it just requires a lot more work. And so this arrangement really works well, where we can do the show live, and then other stations that are primarily church-owned uh, can pick up the show and air it. Uh, and and because we're in relationship with them, we could talk about it, and we can uh, welcome them in. So if you're listening on Hope FM, welcome. Truth FM, welcome. If you're listening on a low-power station uh, in California, Nevada, Utah, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're glad uh, that you've joined us. And we're going to come back here to Aurora, Colorado. Our friend Bianca uh, has a prayer request, I think. Bianca, welcome to the program. How are you doing, Pestred? I'm, I'm doing well. A little spiritual warfare, but I'm doing well. Yeah, same here, although I've been doing really, really horrible. I've just been so discouraged and I really need prayer. The technology I use crashed on me, so I'm just listening on the radio now, and I just need prayer, first of all, for provision that the Lord would just do something so I can purchase a new machine. Of course, I won't mention anything because I'm not asking for money, but... Sure, sure. Well, let's pray. Mm. Father, I pray for my sister uh, who is battling discouragement, and it, it seems, Lord, that she gets attacked on many different fronts and many different directions, and now a machine that she relies upon is not working, and we just pray for your provision. You have come through before. Uh, You have shown yourself faithful in many ways, and I know that uh, you alone get the glory for the great things you have done in Bianca's life, and so we pray for her and know that you are an encourager, and you are the strength of of her life. Uh, You are the strength of, and and truly the love uh, that you have shown to us through her has been encouraging So I pray for her, Lord. I pray even the things she's not saying, the things that she's dealing with that nobody knows but you, because she has chosen to cast her cares upon you um, because you care for her. I pray for those as well, Lord, that she's, they're not forgotten. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so lot. Just keep me in your prayers every day, and hopefully I'll call back soon with a praise report. Okay. We'll talk to you later. All right. I want to make an announcement here. I just saw an email come through, and uh, I'm looking at an Instagram post. Uh, Pastor Skip Heitzig, uh, he's, he, he airs his radio program here on, uh, on Grace FM at 11 a.m., is going in for surgery tomorrow, pretty serious surgery. Um, neurosurgery because he has this intracranial bleed that's causing a lot of pain. So his wife, Linia, has posted uh, for prayer, uh, and he's scheduled for uh, surgery tomorrow. And thank you for your prayers, encouragement, and wisdom, she says. God has provided perfectly for Skip. Dr. Metzger, who's the best neurosurgeon in New Mexico, will perform the surgery at 
Presbyterian Hospital. They're going to put a drain in for two days, no food and and all of that. And so, I mean, he's in great spirits, but this has been a challenge even after his back surgery. Uh, So uh, let's pray for him right now. Father, I pray for my brother Skip and appreciate him, appreciate the ministry of Linya and Skip and Nate in our lives and and what an encouragement he has been and he continues to be. Um, I pray for the doctors and the people that are caring for him uh, and taking care of him, Lord, that uh, the surgery would be successful, the pain level would go down, and we'd have Skip back in the pulpit, back in the pastoral ministry, doing what you've called him to do. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We also got a text come through here from our friends down at Rocky Mountain Calvary. Uh, Rocky Mountain Calvary has a special guest this weekend, Nick Vujicek, and I'm probably mispronouncing that, but Nick Vujicek is going to be there, uh, and uh, I I text back to find out what the details are. I know we're running a spot here on Grace FM, uh, but down at Rocky Mountain Calvary, uh, he is going to be a special guest, and let me look that up. I want to get that word out, so let me see Rocky Mountain Calvary. RM Calvary is what the website is. And let's see if they have information there. While we're waiting, I, I know my sister that text will answer me, but let's see if. Okay. Yes, it's January 31st, 7 p.m. Free admission. It's called A Message of Hope Life Without Limits, A Story of Purpose, A pro- Proclaimer of Hope. And then uh, he is then going to stay for the weekend services. So he's going to do a uh, ministry on. Friday night, and then he's going to be staying for the weekend services, February 1st and 2nd. Something you definitely want to go to. Rocky Mountain Calvary's down in, down in Colorado Springs, uh, right there on Academy. And for more information, you can, you can go to rmcalvary.org, rmcalvary.org. And it's our friend, uh, Pastor Eric, and the team down there, uh, Nick Vood... Um, Kevin, you could probably help me with the pronunciation so I don't butcher it. It's Vujicek, Vujicek, I think. All right, we're going to go to Fort Collins now. Gabriel in Fort Collins, welcome to the program. Hi, how's it going? It's going great. All right, um, cool. Yeah, um, I was just just thinking about something today, and I thought it would be um, kind of an interesting question. Okay. It's about, I guess, uh, assertiveness and like yes. being confident in the Lord. And uh, so, so I was wondering, I guess, like, what's the difference between, say, like, being a pushover, being someone who, I guess, gets gets walked on all the time, versus being forgiving towards like the people who do you wrong. Well, I mean, that is a good question because I think part of the answer is going to. Uh, depend on the person and the personality and the situation. Um, and there are two, you know, two predominant types of personalities. I think there are those that are more passive uh, and, that, and, and that because they're more passive, um, they have a tendency to lean toward being a pushover or being stepped on uh, more often than not. And then there's the other side, the other extreme, of a very strong personality, an overbearing personality that is probably the one that does the pushovering all the time, uh, and then everything in between. And so, <clears throat> what you're asking, you know, really requires 
what uh, really requires us to um, to lean upon and lean into um, the wisdom of God and on a case-by-case basis determine how we're going to respond to a particular situation. When it comes to forgiveness, and then I'll let you follow up to see if we're going in the right direction, but when it comes into... Um, when it comes to forgiveness, then you don't, there are no options with forgiveness. Forgiveness is needed all the time where it's necessary. Like there, there isn't any, there isn't anything, uh, that any time that we aren't to forgive, uh, forgiveness is a command of God. It is a non-negotiable thing. And, and so if, if I tie the thoughts together, then I would say, um, if you equate forgiveness with having to present yourself to being continually hurt, forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean that. Um, because relationships require repentance. Or I should, let's go backwards. If a broken relationship requires repentance that leads to reconciliation, and without repentance, there isn't, there isn't really the ability to restore the relationship. So you're under no obligation uh, to continue to present yourself in a place where you will be hurt. At the same time, you don't have any instruction from the scriptures not to forgive. So with that in mind, right. is there anything you want to clarify on that? I mean... Because because it reminds me a lot of, um, I, I guess, that one passage in Corinthians, I think. I, I, I could be wrong. But um, I think it's that one passage where, like, Paul says um, to the Christians who were uh, suing each other, of saying, like, um, why won't you just be wrong? And so I guess, like, in that instance, it's like, I don't know, like, I guess, like, when, like, like when is it too much, I guess, to be... Well, well, you know, the, the, it's that's where the case by case basis comes in because uh, the the admonition in First Corinthians chapter six is not a prohibition against using the legal system. What was happening in the Corinthian church is that believers weren't settling their differences and allowing their they weren't submitting to the leadership of the Corinthian church, which also the Corinthian church was um, was wasn't didn't ha- wasn't filled with good leaders. So they were choosing to go to the courthouses and, and express all of their dirty laundry there and be a bad witness for Christ. So the, the idea of settling things within the church is really what is, is the best ideal. You know, it's the best, the, the highest goal, uh, the place where God blesses. And we know that doesn't always take place. That always, um, it doesn't always happen. And, and yet, we're, if we enter into the court system, uh, we have to do so very carefully and and with the wisdom that God gives. And sometimes we do just, you know, because what does Paul say in 1 Corinthians? He says, why don't you rather just suffer loss? And that's a question we have to ask. Why can't I just take it? Why can't I just receive the wrong? Why wouldn't you, he also says, why don't, why wouldn't you rather just be wronged? You know, why won't I be wronged? Well, there's a lot of reasons why I won't be wronged, but sometimes we use the court system. Uh, For example, if there was some kind of abuse or something, 
uh, we would report that to the authorities and allow the court system to take care of it to protect the innocent uh, and to bring the justice uh, in that particular situation, right? We wouldn't just, uh, would never advise someone, well, you know, someone's abusing me, so, so just take it and forgive them and go back and be abused. No way. Um, involve the authorities, get to, a pl- well, you know, get to a place of safety, involve the authorities, and, and allow them to do what's necessary to bring justice and protection uh, into your life. And so it really depends on what the situation is. So I guess it just uh, depends on, I guess, having confidence in what is right and, I guess, trusting trusting God's will in that sense. Now, yeah, I and like... I think there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a significant um, power, a significant wisdom, like the very presence of God lives inside of us. And if we yield to him, he will lead us and guide us and empower us. And most of the mistakes that you make and most of the mistakes that I make are because we are in a position of taking things in our own hands and trying to fix things and not trusting God. Um, and yeah. most of the issues, that's exactly what happens. Yeah, because I feel like sometimes, like, sometimes I, like, I second-guess myself a lot. And I guess I, you know, like, where I think something's right, but then I'm like, oh, wait, no, but, like, is that what God really wants? And then... You know, and then I kind of like go into this whole like uh, backstepping where then I just forget to act, and so yeah, like I, I guess it's just a matter of guess uh, just knowing God a bit more. Is is that right? Or yes, I think it, like any time you the more you grow in your relationship with someone, you, you the more you understand uh, what's required and what comes. Um, you know what's what's required. What is it? What, what is it that God requires of us? And I think, do you have a specific situation in mind? Um, not necessarily. I mean, I'm just, I'm, like, I'm just, an, uh, I'm just an, uh, like a naturally timid person. Like, it actually takes yes. a bit of confidence to actually, like, make this call. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah like I don't it. know, it's just, it's just stuff like that. And, I don't know, it was always kind of a, like, a recurring thing in my life. So, yeah, and it's I don't one know, of those, I was just kind of curious know, about that. One of those passages, too, is you're processing this with the way that your personality is and, and, and that timidity that God, you know, do you know there's a famous guy in the Bible that's known for his timidity, too? Did you know that? Yeah, well, Are you f- wasn't that Peter? Or... It was actually Tim- Timothy. Oh, okay. Timothy was known as a timid person um, and, and easily intimidated and d- didn't really want to do what God called him to do, but he did. He was used in a great way. So you can know that even though you might lean more toward the timid side, that God can use you in a great way. And, you know, I, I always think when I think of this question, I think of the time where Jesus said um, that he said in verse uh, Matthew 5 of uh, 33 or 38, he says, you have heard it said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. And give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, don't turn away. And the question of being a doormat or a pushover really centralized, because what Jesus said, he means. Uh, He means what he says here. He's teaching us us a countercultural 
kingdom principle here that is going to mark the believer, and the believer is going to be known as someone that doesn't retaliate. A believer is going to be known as someone that doesn't get even. A believer is going to know as someone that lets things go. And of course, you're, the idea here is if somebody hits you, then go, well, hit me on the other side. And, and some people interpret that, that, well, you know, they can just pummel you into the ground. Um, but if you use what Jesus says literally, you only have two cheeks. And so there, there is a sense where you remember at a different time, because people would take this passage and say, well, what Jesus is teaching is passivism here. Never defend yourself, never stand up, never... Well, no, at, at, at some point Jesus said to protect themselves, and he sent out his disciples with swords. You know, and, and, and he didn't say to use them aggressively, but he sent them out with swords to protect them. And, and so it, it really does require an abiding relationship where each situation is measured on its own merits. So I guess the whole point of that verse is just like accepting God's will as it is, just accepting what happens, and I guess not, not complaining about it too much, and just, I guess, only going into God's will. Yeah, I mean, I think that that definitely that definitely plays a part in this. I mean, if if it was you, let's say, you know, there you are and you're being taken advantage of, taken advantage of, my counsel to you would be to get out of that situation. That's what I would tell you to start with. Stop being taken advantage of. Um, you have been slapped on the cheek, you've been slapped on another cheek, but you're under no obligation to be taken advantage of. You're under no obligation to stand there you know there you go well well, jesus went to the cross he did go to the cross it was a very unique submission to the father's will that he modeled for us what he modeled for us is that not all of us have to go to the cross what he modeled for us was submission to the father not all of us are going to die hanging on a cross some of us may die for our faith but what jesus modeled for us was obedience to the father's will and like to say you you know ed this is, I'm calling you today because for the last 10 days, whenever I show up uh, to this particular place, I get punched in the face twice. And this guy quotes Matthew 5 to me. What should I do? Well, <laughs> I would say don't show up to that place anymore. You are under no obligation to get punched in the face every day. So I guess the submission also applies to submitting to standing up for what's right. Correct. And that's what Jesus did. That's what got him killed. And, you know, he didn't always let people beat him up. He didn't always let people do it. There's that time in John where he, he just disappeared. He just left. He, he, there was a large crowd there and Jesus was gone. And, and you just follow the life of Jesus and you see that in his integrity and in his holiness and his perfectness, he adapted his, his life to the situation that was in front of him, just like you and I do. That's a cool way to look at it. Okay. Yeah, Uh, it is really. Yeah, thank you. Studying Jesus is fascinating. It's a fascinating thing to learn from our Savior what it's like to live in a hostile world. And, you know, it's a great conversation, but it's a really deep conversation. You know, philosophers and theologians have adapted this into books and volumes of books um, and developed whole theological systems based on this, this very question. So you've tapped into something that has uh, kept people busy since the Bible was written. 
Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely feeling blessed just for being able to, you know, I guess like call call the station and read the Bible and everything that God's teaching me. So I'm definitely very thankful for that. So right on. yeah, well, thanks, thanks for thanks calling, Pastor. All right, God bless you, brother. Bye bye. All right, we're coming up to the end of the first half of the program. What a great, fascinating show today. I want to remind you this weekend in, at Rocky Mountain Calvary down in Colorado Springs, uh, Nick Vujacek. Nick Vujacek is going to be down there. He's got a special uh, evening for youth on Friday night, uh, young teens and such, and then he's going to be there the whole weekend. What a fascinating thing. I'd love to bring him to Denver. Uh, oh, Vujacek. Okay, there we go. Thank you. Vujacek. Kevin knows how to help me very well. So it's Nick Vujacek. You hear the music. We'll be right back with the second half. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to the second half of today's program. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. I welcome everyone on the East Coast listening on Hope FM down south in uh, on Truth FM and around the country, up in California, Utah, I think, and maybe Arizona. Um, anyone that's picking up the program, we're grateful that you are. Uh, of course, you guys here on Grace FM, um, you know, a combination of all the stations that were on reach, uh, double-digit uh, millions of people, and uh, we're grateful for that opportunity for everyone that's listening in, which reminds me to remind you... Uh, Local Christian radio like this, these church-owned stations, Grace FM, Truth FM, Hope FM, and the low-power FM station you're listening to are on the air because of two, two primary sources. Uh, one is the church funds it, uh, and it is an outreach and a ministry of the church, but the support of the listeners is so vital it's more important than some of these commercial stations that have praise-a-thons and, and uh, you know, all-day, double-day, really smooth operating uh, pledge drives and other things like that. Like, uh, instead of doing that, we put on the Bible studies 24 hours a day, uh, seven days a week with worship music. And so what we ask you to do is prayerfully consider supporting us uh, in your offerings, uh, support local Christian radio. It helps to keep the equipment fixed. It helps to hire engineers, attorneys, pay electricity. You know, for an 80,000-watt station like Grace FM, the main station for Grace FM, uh, the electric bill is pretty high. And uh, so we have to pay that every month. And and the, the T1 line that we have to run, very, very high, because they charge by the mile or by the foot. I don't know. It's I don't even know. We just know we get the bill and we pay it. <laughs> But it's needed, so it keeps it on the air. It's amazing uh, the the technology that we have and using it for the glory of God. All that to say, would you please support Grace FM? Go to gracefm.com, gracefm.com. If you're listening to this on another station, please support that local station. Uh, please support the station you hear this on, and I know the Lord will just bless it. I know the Lord will um, continue to multiply 
uh, continue to help. And, you know, salaries, insurance, uh, on and on, licensing fees, attorneys, you know, Washington, D.C. attorneys, all, all of that. 303-690-3000. Off to Maryland today. Line one, Rose in Maryland. Welcome to the program. Yes. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Can, can you hear me? Can yes, you hear I me? can. Uh, yes, I can, Rose. Yes. Okay. I'm wondering, um, I've heard all these prophecies about um, the different um, uh, com- countries that have held the Jews uh, over over periods of time, but I've never heard anything about Germany. So I wonder if you have heard anything, um, maybe connecting it to um, Revelation or something, because now I'm hearing so much about um, uh, Germany and uh, uh, how they captured those Jews and held them for such a long period of time and even killed them in the prisons and the Holocaust and whatever. Uh, can yes. you connect that to anything at all? Well, certainly the Holocaust was one of the greatest disasters to ever take place uh, on the planet Earth. And it is one of the worst demonstrations of anti-Semitism that we have seen ever in uh, in our lifetime. And anti-Semitism or this this attack of the Jewish people that is demonically inspired actually begins very early on in the book of Genesis. Uh, It is predicted that there would be a battle um, and, and a continual attack um, by the, the, the seed of the woman uh, and the, against the Messiah. See, the attack of the Jewish people was, uh, is intended to stop or at least to hinder the coming of Messiah and to get to, I believe, to the very apple of God's eye. And, and so very early on uh, is this battle predicted in the scripture. It says, um, so the Lord said to the serpent, in the, this is Genesis chapter 3, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly shall you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And so the un- there's an unfolding of anti-Semitism or an, an animosity toward the Jewish people that began back in Genesis chapter 3 uh, that is still continuing to this day. The actual countries, um, Babylon and Syria and Russia, but you, uh, I have not heard of Germany, and they're playing a great part in this, um, especially with uh, with Auschwitz and the um, and the Holocaust. Is there? Yeah, can they, you they think of did. anything where they're mentioned at all, or anything? Yeah, they certainly have um, played a large part. Off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of where Germany, um, because you, the way to look for Germany would be the general area that they're in. And, um, you know, the Ezekiel talks about Babylonians, Chaldeans, uh, the Assyrians, the governors, the rulers. Um, but off the top of my head, I can't think of anything where the Germanic people, I, that, that's only because um, 
I would have to do more study on that. But that's a great question. Um, really been really hard. I would say horrible toward the Jews and to hold them that long and to kill them in those prisons. You know. Yeah. Well, they certainly they certainly are a part of the broader that the Holocaust was certainly a part of the broader evil against the against the Jewish mm-hmm. people. Uh, mm-hmm. Absolutely, they they're part of a broader that that time in that horrific time in history is a part of the broader scope of of the demonic attack upon the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I was curious about that, especially now since uh, you know we're hearing more about the um, the Holocaust, and I guess at the, uh, the end of World War II and all of that when they when the Jews yeah. were released and all of that, or or were burned in those prisons, you know. I thought I'd yes. give a call and see if there was anything in the Bible at all regarding that. But I, it's buried in there somewhere, I'm quite sure. You know? Well, you know, mm-hmm. I, um, I think mm-hmm. in uh, Genesis chapter 10 and verse 3, it says, The sons of Gomer were Ashkenaz, Riphath, and Tagamar, Tagarma. And there is a sect of Ashkenazi Jews that the family of Ashkenaz migrated to the area that's modern-day Germany, uh, and now they are re um, now they are returning to the homeland, just like that was predicted. And um, Kevin reminded me too: if you have access to our app or to our website, um, we had Ken Ham here uh, as a part of the ministry, and Ken Ham does a a teaching on the dispersion of the nations that he taught yeah. here. If you just put the word ham in, he, it's a fascinating yeah. study that he shared a couple years ago. Right. And that's a, that's a Genesis. Um, what's the name of his um, his little Genesis? Uh, answers in Genesis. Answers in Genesis. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, I thank you for your, for your help. Okay. You're welcome. Thanks for your call. God bless you in thank Maryland. You, you All too. Right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. We're going to stay on the East Coast. I love this. Harrisburg, Pennsylvania is Gil. Gil, welcome to the program. How you doing? Thank you. I'm doing great. What can I do for you? Well, I just started reading Deuteronomy recently, and I'm trying to wrap my head around why God... Now, I understand why God would send the Israelites in to the Promised Land and destroy the soldiers and the kingdoms that were facing them. What I don't understand is why he also wanted the women and the children and the cattle slaughtered. I mean, it sounds like genocide. And I'm trying to wrap my head around why a God of love and a God of justice would do that. Well, you know, you've got a couple of, you've got a couple of thoughts because you've, you, in order to answer this question, we got to go back even beyond what you're reading in Deuteronomy and come back to Genesis. And, and we would ask that question directly on with Noah building an ark just prior to a worldwide judgment of God. And why would God bring judgment um, upon a, an, a, a whole planet of people with the exception of Noah, his sons and their wives, and, their, and, and you know, his sons and their wives? Why would God do that? We have an explanation of that, and that is because of their sin. Um, it, it is because of sin that judgment comes. And judgment can come in a variety of ways. It can come directly from God, as we read about in Genesis, through the flood. It can also come as, through the hands of, of people at his command, like 
what you're reading of. And, and at first read, it is a startling, challenging thing. Um, it wouldn't be, uh, I don't put it in the um, category of genocide. Uh, it's not genocide, but it certainly is a startling clearance of, of land by people. But a couple things that we need to remember. Number one, when, when we think of uh, when we think of these sex- sections, we think of it on a personal level, but these types of battles were more war warlike than they were um, like a personal battle between you and me. You know, like I showed up to your house and God told me to wipe out your house. It's not like that. Um, th- this is um, th- this is more of a a warlike environment where these people would have polluted and killed the killed and enslaved the Jewish people had they continued to let them live and as a matter of fact when when the children of Israel failed to obey this the people that were allowed to live continued to be a problem in their lives forever and ever and ever so think of it think of it in in on a flip side of this you know as we're thinking through this to come to terms with God's direction. None of us live because we deserve to live. Not you, not me, not those in Deuteronomy, not those in the book of uh, Genesis, not those, not the Midianites and Numbers. Um, everyone lives because God has authored our lives. And while we're watching these things unfold or reading these things unfold in the scriptures, no one's life has no one's life has been cut short, as we might think. Um, no one's life has been cut short. We see that uh, because of our perspective, but God knows the times in which you're going to live, I'm going to live. He already knows those things. And the wickedness of the people in the land is well documented. They're, the evil, wicked behaviors... Uh, the the raping, the pillaging, the murdering, it is well documented of all of the ites that you'll be reading of in the land. And to wipe out the children and their property is a is a decision that God has made and that God did make. You don't find him, um, and I'll, I'll close this up and you can have a follow-up, but I'll take you to where we really need to go. Um, in perspective, but it, his wiping out of the people was to eliminate their sinful behaviors for future generations as well. So with that in mind, we have to fast forward now and ask another question. And when we ask these, when, when a difficult question like this, we, we have to ask another question. And, and the question is this, why is it fair for one man, perfect in all his ways, to die so that you and I might live. So we have to fast forward that same question and say, well, that's a troubling question, and it is troubling. I don't want to take away the tension from that, from the question and and the tension that sometimes the Bible raises. We just have to admit, sometimes the Bible says something that's difficult to conceive and difficult to receive. And we have answers, but even our answers are not satisfactory. So I, I accept that. But let's fast forward now and say, now, wait a minute. The most, the, the most horrific tragedy to ever take place 
was not what happened to the Midianites, was not what happened to the Canaanites, it's not what happened. Uh, those aren't tragedies compared to the tragedy that happened on the on a Roman cross in the first century, uh, you know, 30 plus AD. Why? I mean, I, I don't know if I want to say why, but I would say, how is that a justified, how can we explain the cross? Because that's an equal question. How can, why is it okay for one man to die, even though he had nothing to die for? He had no sin. Um, What are your thoughts with that general discussion? You know, I understand that, and and I guess maybe we're not going to get all of the answers until we stand before him, and then I guess all the questions will be answered. I'm just trying to wrap my head around it. But, you know, it seems to me recently that I I realize it seems like the, the Bible has a tendency to come full circle. And I'm wondering, you know, is there a parallel with what happened with Noah and and the human race being wiped out, almost wiped out, and what hap- what's happening with these cities of people that, that the children and everybody are being wiped out? Is this what's going to be coming full circle in the future for the human race again? Well, we that's a that's a great follow up because the the answer is yes. That's the end of the age has been predicted. And Jesus described the judgment that is coming at his return that to be equal to like the days of Noah. I mean, that that's actually his vernacular when he comes, when he's teaching in Matthew. I think it's 20, uh, I want to say 24, maybe 25. Um, he talks about in the days of Noah. Let me see if I can find it. Matthew 24, uh, he says in verse 37, um, but as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Uh, and he describes the coming of the Son of Man is to usher in the end of the age and the final judgment at the end of the Great Tribulation period. Uh, and and that too, uh, although it won't, God promised that it will not be by a flooded again, instead it will be by fire, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And, you know, these topics are very challenging. They, they're emotional. Um, they cause people to say things like, you know, I would never believe in a God like that. And, and before we come to that conclusion, you know, we, we need to come back to say if, if they're, you know, on a personal level, now we're not even talking war anymore. We're not even talking, uh, we're not even talking in the, the sense of clan against clan or, or, or ancient day warfare. If, if there was an attack on your family and the whole family uh, and someone's whole family was coming after you, you would do what it's necessary to protect your family. Um, and and it would be viscerally emotional. Um, it would be hard. It would be difficult. But you would make, most likely, and I would try to make the best decision I could with the, you know, in my limited humanity to bring about protection for my family and future generations. Um, and, you know, the good news is, is that because of the cross of Jesus Christ, God is not giving that direction anymore. He is, because of the long-suffering of God, he's not willing that any should perish. And the formation of the nation of Israel now is everything is seen through the cross. And the only death that's necessary now has already happened, and that is through the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay. You know, I I understand, and I don't want to go off on a tangent on you here. Uh, I don't want to take 
up too much of your time. But uh, okay. I mean, I, 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 I understand, you know, people and myself, especially, you know, wanting to, to know the truth and understand what it is. But I mean, how, how do you know nowadays what the, what the real truth is, especially with religion nowadays, because there's so much falseness out there and, and it's hard to know what to believe anymore. I mean, I've gone to many churches that were just absolutely empty. It didn't feel like God was there at all. And, you know, looking very hard, trying to figure out which is the right Bible and, and who's, who's, who's actually speaking the word of God. And, and yeah. you can be turned in so many different, different directions that how do you actually know what, what the truth is? That's a great question. You know, I think that we, we need to start with this premise. Uh, the premise is, is that truth is Christ-centered. It's Christocentric. That's where we start. Truth is Christocentric. And what I mean by that is the declaration of what Jesus said. He said he was the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus, that, that's his statement. So that we have now a lighthouse, if you will, in the storms and seas of the craziness of churches today, false teaching, uh, weirdness, uh, that we have a lighthouse on when the in the rocky seas to say where I am in truth, I need to measure through what Jesus said. And I think we have to accept, secondly, we have to accept, accept that none of us have it right perfectly. None of us. I think one of the big surprises of heaven is where we got things wrong. Um, and I mean secondarily, you know, I think that in order to, uh, in order to trust Jesus Christ, we need to take him at his word. But I know that none of us, you don't have it perfectly, I don't have it perfectly. So that because, because we know that truth is Christocentric, Jesus also taught us that his word is truth. His word is spirit and life. So that we want to then be attracted to the filter of the Word of God. And let me let me say this with this thought. I know that your question was a difficult question. It was a visceral, emotional question. And it would be in the category of, if we had two categories in the Bible, we would have two categories, right? One category is difficult things in the Bible, and the other category is easy things to understand in the Bible. Those two categories. So in... The difficult, you asked a question in the difficult, but you know, most of the Bible is actually in the other category. It's not hard. Um, most right. of what the Bible teaches us is not difficult, and especially when it comes to the new covenant. And, and so how do we measure what's true or not? We first of all make sure that it's Christocentric, that we're tethered to the Word, and then we're also making sure that we are, t we are taking, you know, taking everything that we hear and comparing it with the word, but we're not left on our own. So we don't have to, we don't approach this academically. Like we have to know the Greek and the Hebrew, although that is helpful, but it's not like an academic experience because as a born again believer, we have the spirit of God dwelling inside of us. And so his spirit bears witness with the truth. Sometimes I like to call that the Holy Spirit alarm. You know, how would you ever be able to, how could you make the conclusion that you sensed that a church was dead unless the Holy Spirit gave you that indication that they're not teaching the truth, that they are adopting things that are clearly forbidden in the Bible? 
Now, even if they have fanciful ways to explain it, the Bible couldn't be clearer on matters. Uh, and so we make sure that we know that truth exists, that ex- exists in a person, that that person came and taught, that that person, uh, God, reserved in writing what he wanted us to know, and accept that we don't know everything, but that we should cling to what we do know. And I'll give you one final thought, and that's this. When we come to things we don't understand about the Bible, when we come to things we don't understand about life, when we come to things about that we don't understand, period, Pastor Chuck Smith, our pastor, taught us, and my pastor Jeff taught us, and I teach the church that I have the privilege of teaching, to always remember this. When we face something that we don't understand, we must make it a habit to rely, fall back on those things that we do understand and, and hold fast to the things that are understood. Like, I know God loves me. I know that he saved my soul. I know that he speaks to me through his word. I know that he put godly men in my life to be, be accountable to and to learn from. Like, there's so much that I do know is true that when I enter into the land of confusion, I know God is not the author of confusion. How do I know that? He told me that he's not the God of confusion and that I can stick to the truth and dismiss the confusion. Okay. Now, may I ask you one more quick question? Sure, go ahead. Yeah. Now, um, trying to figure out, and and I did this recently, and trying to figure out, because there's so many different versions of the Bible, and some of them are so mistranslated. If if, if I had to recommend a Bible to somebody to read that I knew was the authoritative Word of God, that was the true Word of God, that wasn't twisted and turned, what Bible would you recommend? Well, before I answer that question, what version, what's the last version that was in your hands, that was twisted and turned? Well, just, there were, there were different ones saying the other ones are wrong, like the, 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 the NIV and so forth like that, and I finally ended up with the, with the King James Bible. Well, the, yeah. the NIV is, a, is an acceptable translation. It's not a twisted version. Okay, I just, I just so, know that there, you know, from doing the reading, there were a lot of different well, ones you, that were said, well, this is not right, and this was, mis, this was mistranslated, and Right. And I, I think that I think that we so in a question like that, you know, we kind of make some assumptions. There are some twisted versions. Like I would not recommend the New World translation. It's not it's not a translation at all that the Jehovah Witness put out. Absolutely would not recommend that. When it comes to the NIV, I would not recommend the T N I V. Uh they're not making I don't think they're making it anymore, but that's where they tried to make it gender neutral uh in their uh, interpretation. But many of the English translations today are reliable, uh, and they are conveying the heart of God in trying to take, and remember with a translation, what you're trying to do, and uh, unless you're reading the autographs, which none of us have, or you were able to read the Hebrew and the Greek from the manuscripts, um, we are reading uh, and trusting that God has reserved uh, knowledgeable scholars to take ancient language and translate it into a language that can be understood today. For example, you may be able to answer this, but can you explain to me what propitiation means? Well, I'm sorry, say that again? Can you can you explain to me what propitiation means? No. That's a word that's in the King James, uh, and it simply means atoning sacrifice. But see, that's not a link. That's not a word. And even atoning sacrifice, as a pastor, I still have to explain that in modern day language that someone dies on your behalf. But like, 
the lang- what they're trying to do with translations is make it relatable to the current language. And no translation is going to be 100% accurate because it is filtered through man. And what I mean by accurate is we only believe that in the inspiration of the original autographs. And so we have that bridge from manuscripts to translations. And so what I recommend is to get the version of the Bible that's easiest for you to understand. Uh, and I recommend the New, New King James. I recommend the, the ESV. Uh, I recommend the NLT and the New American Standard. They all have their purposes. And that would be a great question. We're almost out of time, but that would be a great question forward. I think that we have to start with the premise of, well, you know, all these twisted versions. Well, what what twisted versions? I don't like somebody's put a blog site up and and condemned every every version. But what 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 are you talking about? Like I can I can lead somebody to the Lord using the New Living Translation. I could lead somebody to the Lord using the NIV. Um, I can lead somebody to the Lord with the Old King James or the New King James. And what's really important is that we convey the words. That, that were written in a way that can be understood today and be accurate to the words that were written um, and what the meaning, the literal meaning of what God wrote is true. And so I prefer the New King James. It uses both sets of manuscripts. And I appreciate your call because we got to go. Hey, this uh, ends yeah, us. Thank this, you. Thank you. This ends. Uh, we got a couple seconds left. Come out to Calvary Church this weekend. Would love to have you. Um, great show today. Thank you. Uh, for the opportunity uh, to be a very small part of the big work that God is doing in your life. Uh, Until next time, may the Lord bless you, encourage you, strengthen you, help you, that you might grow in His grace and knowledge. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.